going on is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on a Tuesday evening as Los Angeles Clippers get ready for two games in Memphis starting tomorrow. It'll be Wednesday and Friday, but coming off a very convincing win against the Chicago Bulls. And who better to have on this podcast than the man that was making news last night as the Clippers were finishing off that win against the Bulls. He's a friend of the podcast, does tremendous work with Clutch Points. You see him all over Twitter. You see him, of course, with the Clutch Points app. You see him writing articles on the Clippers. Most recently had a great piece on Robert Covington and Marcus Morris. And then, of course, broke the news last night that we will see Nico Batum in the starting lineup for the rest of the season, replacing Marcus Morris. And also in that report was Robert Covington sliding into Batum's backup spot. But that part has not been confirmed quite yet by Ty Lu. He's Tomer Azarli back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Tomer, how are you, man? I'm good, Brandon. I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me again. Of course. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get you on. I reached out to you a couple weeks ago when I was trying to uh, get a guest on. Of course, you're one of my go-tos. And then I saw your report last night and I said, who better to have on? Then Tomer, I got to tell you, man, uh, I'm really oh, impressed by the stuff that you're doing at Clutch Points. And it was one of those, it felt like kind of a niche thing at the start where it's just an app that was just trying to get its legs underneath them. And you guys have done a great job. I know you do all the stuff with the social and trying to repurpose content, whether it be Paul George's podcast or be Pat Beverly's podcast or anything else. And then, of course, you're working your ass off and you've gotten to the point now where you've got real life sources, man. And so uh, I just want to applaud you there before we even start this podcast and give you some kudos. I do appreciate that. That's um, it's very appreciated. It's, um, you know, uh, going through the day to day grind, you don't really um, notice or, you know, take notice of some of the stuff but when you look at. You look back at, you know, my year one, my year two, year three, um, you see the growth and the development. So uh, it definitely is cool being recognized. I do appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. Uh, I've been doing this a while, man. This is my seventh season. doesn't feel like it, but my seventh season. So <laughs> it's been a while. Hey, eventually you're there long enough. That's how you kind of get the sources, right? Before we even get to the actual content itself of what you um, have written in the last couple of days, um, I guess it's a good question to ask you is how you develop sources, because I think that the people who are listening would be interested in how that happens for a writer. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it is just, uh, you, I don't think you can enter, this is just my opinion. I don't think you can enter the business looking to, um, break news necessarily, or, um, I like to use the term kind of clout chasing, you know, the engagement can kind of, mm-hmm. can kind of be a drug on social media nowadays. Um, I don't think you can, you can go into the, into it with that kind of mindset. I think, um, you know, I, I don't think I was ever mind to be honest. Like, I think I always just, you know, I, I like basketball. I like the Clippers and I just wanted to be able to tell stories uh, about a team that wasn't necessarily big on social media. They weren't always on social media. They weren't always on, on the, uh, you know, the, the, the basic cable news or whatever. So like you wouldn't hear about them very much. Um, Lakers were a different case. They were all over the news. They were always talked about with the Clippers. Um, you know, even when they got Chris, Chris and Blake, I think there was a period there where you wouldn't really hear about them too much. So uh, it was really just about storytelling for me and um, being able to, to give fans what I kind of didn't have. And, um, you know, over time, I guess, 
Um, you know, you just build relationships, and, and it, it's a lot of relationship building. You know, there's a lot of – I can't tell you how many discussions happen um, in an arena that have nothing to do with basketball. Um, you know, it's a lot about lives and kids and movies and food and just all sorts of different stuff, so um, – besides basketball. So um, I would say it's just a lot of relationship building. Um, I, I don't – you know, at least for me, if, if you go into it with the mindset of, you know, trying to break a story, trying to trying to get this or that, uh, I think people can kind of feel that. People can kind of catch on to that. So, um, again, that wasn't really ever my goal. It was just to tell stories and give fans a different perspective. So, um, you know, that, that that's why I think, you know, this week in general has been kind of big because – the Marcus Morris, uh, Robert Cummington story that I did over the weekend was uh, one that took me a little, a little bit of time to, 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 to write, to get the quotes for. Um, and so it just, you know, something that I wanted fans to kind of get an understanding from what I was getting uh, as far as talking to players and coaches and um, just trying to see what was going through their minds that was leading to the decision to play Marcus and not Rocco. So, um yeah, that, that's I know I'm kind of rambling at this point, but that's kind of the idea behind it. Just a lot of relationship building, a lot of just, you know, talking back and forth on about everything but basketball. That's uh, interesting. Over time, you kind of just develop that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, people are not going to reveal information to you um, if you're just, you know, trying to use them. And in this case, you're actually trying to get that human connection and that interaction that leads to other information coming out and great timing for you where you write that Marcus Morris piece. And then all of a sudden the news breaks last night from you that Robert Covington is going to be the backup and Nico Batum is going to be the starter. Uh, curious to get your take on that because it's something that's been talked about. Of course, with Clippers Twitter is the struggles of Marcus Morris. And you wrote yourself in both articles, how much he has struggled since the all-star break and how his three point shooting has been, Dreadful. I think it's under 25% since the All-Star break. Nico Batum, of course, has been shooting very well when he's been on the floor, and he showed that yesterday. I believe it was eight three-pointers that he hit last night, and immediately it paid dividends with Nico Batum in the starting lineup with Morris being out, and he will be out again um, due to the health and safety protocols. And we'll talk about Nico, uh, pardon me, Norman Powell a little bit later, who may be joining the Clippers uh, for tomorrow's game. But curious to get your take on that decision, because it seems like the article that you wrote initially, Ty Lu was adamant that Marcus Morris made sense of the starters because it just fit. And Morris said himself that, you know what? I'm with a guy and a point guard that can rebound. I'm with a center that can rebound. I'm with Kawhi and PG who can rebound. So sure, my rebounding stats may not look great, but I'm boxing guys out. And you point out some numbers where the Clippers rebounding was actually better at times with Morris on the floor. So curious your thoughts on that move of Robert Covington being the backup, Nico Batum being the starter, and Marcus Morris perhaps being out of the rotation. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that a big part of Marcus Morris's value is um, especially alongside Kawhi and PGs, being able to to provide that floor spacing, um, being being that physical kind of body that can give the give a bit a bit of the fours, some, maybe some of the fives, some some, some trouble. Um, you know, I, I don't want to give sole credit to him, but he was significant. He was a significant reason for the Knicks uh, Julius Randle struggling the way he did, <clears throat> shooting. I believe it was five of twenty four when the Knicks came to town here and, and the Clippers beat them. Uh, again, it was a team effort. But Marcus Morris set the tone defensively, uh, getting real physical with Randall um, and, and making life just hell for him that night. So, like, there definitely is that value in, in having Marcus out there, um, especially alongside Kawhi and PG. Uh, to me, the tricky part, and 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 uh, just to mention some of the stats, like like they were rebounding better as, as a collective when he was on the on the court with Kawhi and PG out there. 
uh, versus when he was off the court and Kawhi and PG were out there. So they were rebounding better with him on. Uh, the team was shooting better from three when he was on versus when he was off. And that goes for when, whether Kawhi and PG were on or off. So, um, <clears throat> like, overall, the, the, the team's value, the team's numbers just seemed to be better when he was out there. And so, um, you know, I, I think from a certain perspective, uh, it made sense to keep him out there, especially, with, again, with Kawhi and PG, because he, he gets run off the line, arguably, uh, more than anyone on the team other than Kawhi and PG, uh, because a lot of teams respect that <clears throat> that spacing that he has, the spacing he provides. Um, not only that, he does offer you the ability to, you know, against teams like the Warriors, for example. Um, you can't throw a Steph Curry at him and hide him, which is what the Warriors like to do, because Marcus Morris will, will post you up. For example, if Nico Batum is starting against the Warriors, you can kind of hide Steph on Nico, knowing that he'll stay in the corner, maybe cut at times. But for with Marcus, you could post Steph Curry up and go to work. Um, and, and that would be considered, you know, decent offense considering the height advantage um, and all that. So um, I think the whole idea there was just that um, it made sense with the starting five of, of, of uh, well, I'd say the core four of Kawhi, PG, Marcus, and Zoo with any other fifth person made sense, made a lot of sense. Um, where it got tricky now the last couple of games is that not only was Marcus struggling since the All-Star break, shooting 23.5% from three, 40% from the field, um, it's that with PG out, you need more offense. You need more floor spacing. You need more um, more defense from from a mobility standpoint, which is what Marcus wasn't able to bring as much as say Nico Batum. So I think when when you talk about Marcus being moved out of the lineup, if if Paul George is healthy, I'm not entirely sure this happens. Yeah, I don't uh, think it because does. I think the 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 amount of the um, what I'm looking for here the. For error, the, the margin for error shrunk significantly once Paul George went out, and I just didn't think you could start Marcus. I was actually in the process of writing a piece about uh, either Marcus or Eric were going to have to be removed out of the starting lineup. Uh, Marcus, Eric, or Russ, excuse me, uh, because I think you needed that defensive energy from like a Terrence or a Nico. Uh, and funny enough, uh, it happened the other day. So um, thank God I wasn't very far along into that piece, <laughs> but. Um, it was just obvious that they needed some sort of defensive juice, especially after, you know, Shea Gildas, Alexander, Jalen Williams were kind of going to town on, uh, on Marcus Morris, uh, Brandon Ingram. And some of those guys were, were able to, to get what they wanted on him, attacking him, hunting him in, on offense. So, um, it was just clear. And I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it, it, it's a knock on Marcus because Marcus has kind of been good for, uh, the start of the year. He's been good. He was good last year for them when they needed him to be, um, you know, he he was really good in that 2021 season where he shot uh, 47% from three. They got to the conference finals. Uh, he wasn't supposed to play in that series, and he was dragging himself on one leg against the Suns, um, doing whatever he could uh, with that bum knee, and he, he battled his way through it. Um, and so I think he deserves a lot of props for that. Uh, it just Unfortunately, I think at this point in the season, especially without PG, uh, it, it was just time and it was necessary to make a change. Uh, because their season was headed in the wrong wrong direction pretty fast, in my opinion. So It's wild that it happened this late. I, I think that's the crazy thing to me, Tomer, is that we've talked for so right. long about how a change should be made. And there's been talk about how Robert Covington should enter the rotation. And whenever he plays, he does well. And there's been talk about Nico Batum possibly replacing Marcus Morris. And for it to happen in the final handful of games is fascinating. I think you're right, by the way. I don't think this happens if Paul George is healthy. But... 
we saw Eric Gordon obviously replace Paul George, and now with Marcus Morris being out due to health and safety protocols, it's the perfect time to slide Batum in there. And I think it's crazy that this team continues to do these things where they kind of mess with their team and they don't go with what makes sense until very late when they're forced to make a move. And in this case, the Clippers have lost so many games this season by DNPing Terrence Mann, by playing Marcus Morris way more than he should, by playing Russell Westbrook um, a ton in his first five games at times when he shouldn't have been on the floor. It just felt like they were messing around. And now, oddly enough, it feels like they're starting to figure it out. I think the last piece would really be starting possibly Terrence Mann over Westbrook. I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, but Robert Covington now is going to possibly enter the rotation, according to your report. And Batum's going to start. It feels like almost everything is starting to come together, except obviously PG being hurt. It's it's an odd thing for Clippers fans to witness. And I'm curious your take on that, because it's been a weird season, Tomer. Uh, I mean... I think uh, Robert Covington w- will play a part for the Clippers. I think it'll just depend on, um, you know, now you have six games to iron out. Well, not even six games because Marcus won't be available. But um, when and if Marcus does rejoin them, um, you'll have three, four, five, whatever game amount of games it is to look at what your bench looks like with Marcus and Rocco from from there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a chance that, you know, as Ty said the other day, he wouldn't commit to – Rocco being a you know the backup four backup five, and um, you look at Marcus. There's, there's, I, I believe there's still a role for him on this team, um, despite being demoted from the starting lineup. I think there's very much a role for him. Uh, we saw that in the postseason a couple of years ago. Um, you know we've saw, we've seen that at times this year. I mean he started off the year really well. I think shooting close to forty percent from three in his first twenty or so games. Then he you know suffered a, a rib injury that kind of messed with him. And I think ever since then he just hasn't been the same. So. Um, you know, that, that doesn't really explain the mobility, but more so the shooting. But if Marcus is knocking down shots, you can at least live with some of the mobility issues. Well, and the crazy um, thing is, Tomer, is that Ty Lue was saying how it was a perfect fit and how that's why Marcus Morse was in the starting lineup. And then a couple of days later, all of a sudden, he's realized that maybe it doesn't fit. Like, that that part is strange to me. You know what I mean? Right. So, it, 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 I actually didn't see this coming this late in the season. I mean, I felt like it might have been coming, but... Again, with seven or so games uh, after after the interviews I conducted last week, I, I felt like all right, this is kind of where they're rolling with. This is this is it, and so um, I'm a bit surprised, but it's just clear that they need some kind of jump start to that starting lineup because they can't keep going down uh, ten to two, eight zero, uh, eleven to three, whatever it is. Like you can't keep going down big big margins in the first quarter and hoping to, you know, come back from those each time. Uh, you know, Nico. You know, for example, Nico, Nico, and um, who was the other guy? I think it was uh, Terrence and Bones. Those three came in off the bench and had to face Brandon Ingram and Trey Murphy, who had like ten points apiece and were red hot. Yeah. And that's not easy to do when you've been sitting on the bench and you guys, you got these guys who are now, you know, lighting it up. So um, I think that there's just always been an emphasis on getting off to better starts, and I think um, I think we'll be able to see that. We saw yesterday, and I think we'll be able to see that uh, moving forward. So. Um, the Robert Covington case is interesting because I think I really think he does have a role, and I think come playoff time you'll see it. Um, same with Marcus Morris, I think I think he has a role there as well. But um, you know, I, I think Nico was always kind of uh, the best fit 
um, with, with with that unit. I would have liked to see him with Paul George, to be honest, but yeah. um, I think for now this this makes the most sense. Yeah, I agree, and I'm glad they're making the move because I, I just don't. I think their ceiling was only a certain level with Marcus Morris as the starter, but now it feels like there's something else they can possibly get to with Batum starting. They're kind of maybe starting to figure out what makes sense with who. I mean, I still, I personally don't think this team's going to go very far in the postseason. Um, I think we're we're going crazy over a team that just has still has flaws, but at the same time, the West keeps tripping over itself. So it's very possible that all it takes is a round one win, and all of a sudden you get Paul George back, and you could possibly make a title run. It's it's crazy to see how this season has gone for the Clippers, where they could lose all these games um, to embarrassing, I mean, in, in embarrassing ways to bad teams, and then all of a sudden you still are in it. So I, I am hoping to be surprised. At what this team can do and hopefully the Batum thing is a start to this team actually figuring it out and the Robert Covington piece I'm glad you brought it up is it's certainly fascinating because we know what he can do defensively and we know that he has his length and he's able to get his hands on a lot of balls and tip them and get his hands into passing lanes and disrupt uh, teams when they're on their off when they're on offense and he also has the ability to knock down threes so he does have a role, and yeah, I guarantee you that we'll see Marcus Morris at some point. Ty Lue has shown that even when guys are out of the rotation, they will play a part. I mean, we saw Rondo out of the rotation at, at one point. All of a sudden, he helped the Clippers beat Dallas. I think it was in Game 3. And, and then we obviously saw Reggie Jackson out for a while of the rotation. All of a sudden, he came back and he was a starting point guard. These guys that are out of the rotation, they're not dead. Like They, they come back and they play a role, so that'll be interesting to see what Ty Lue does. And it's a tough coaching job, man. I mean, he revealed on the Pivot podcast that he's had seven family members, I believe, die since December. And it's crazy that we had no idea. And you can judge Ty Lue as much as you want for how poor of a coaching job he's had this season compared to what we're used to seeing. But again, he's a human being and he's got other stuff going on. And so perhaps... That's not as important um, whether he should start Marcus Morris or Robert Covington or start Robert or play Robert Covington than what he's dealing back home. It's it's tough to balance life in basketball, Tomer, and we're certainly finding that out this year with this version of the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, I actually I went around and asked, and it, it didn't sound like many people um, around the organization or some of the players even knew that this is what some you know what Tyloo was do- dealing with. Um, so, I mean, he did a good job keeping that internal and showing up to work every day and kind of just going through the grind. Um, you know, I think everyone uh, grieves in their own way. I don't think anyone should be kind of told how to grieve. Um, you know, you can't tell someone to leave work if if work might be considered their therapy, um, especially when someone is committed to, to this as long as he has. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't seem like work. So I'm not one to really tell people how to, how to grieve, like they can, you know, do whatever they feel like is necessary, whether it's taking time off um, or, or continuing to, to coach the way he wanted to. Um, but it was it was clear that he did a very good job keeping this internal and, and not really talking about it based off, you know, some of the conversations I had. So definitely surprising. Um, but, you know, I think this overall season has just been a grind beginning to end from every which way you look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just it's just been a very very strange and, and rough year for um, you know all around and um, you know as much as you want to critique um, you know Marcus I believe Marcus had uh, you know he he had I believe it was uh, either he had a child at the beginning of the year I believe 
uh, birth of a child at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, not something easy to go through. I'm sure you know. Yeah. Uh, not something easy to go through. Yeah. Um, you look at Ty dealing with what he what he's had to deal with, not really telling anyone about that. Um, it, you know, Robert Covington's got his own things. I'm sure every other player is probably dealing with something at some point. Um, so, like, I think people just got to remember these are human beings at the end of the day. They're, you know, they're, they're not robots. They're not out there strictly to entertain, um, you know, Joe Schmo sitting in the fourth row. Uh, these are people. So, um, I just, I just hope people remember that. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's, these guys are, you know, everyone's talking about them making millions of dollars, but it's, it's real life still happens and you, you never know what anyone's going through. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I give props to Ty for being able to coach through all this and, um, you know, keep himself level-headed for the most part. Like, I don't think he gave anyone a, even a hint of a, of a clue that something was going on. So, yeah, um, you know, all, all the best to him and his family. Uh, you know, I, I talked to him the other day, just wished him my best wishes and, you know, thoughts and prayers to his family. But that's tough, man. That's tough. Yeah, no doubt. Really, really tough. And this team, clearly, I mean, they're vast. They vastly underachieved from what we expected to see from them. I mean, you look at what they did last year versus what they're doing this year and with the availability of Paul George and Kawhi this year. And it's, it's been a disappointment. There's no doubt. And there have certainly been murmurs coming um, about Ty Lue possibly stepping aside after the season. And you wonder if that possibly has to do with family also where he's been gone this entire time and he's lost family members and he may not think that basketball is as important at the moment or it's a combination of that and the fact that he's tired of having to deal with the load management of Kawhi and PG and trying to coach a basketball team with all these different pieces and thinking the team needs a point guard while the front office may have disagreed. So uh, I think there's been a lot behind the scenes and there's certainly going to be a piece at some point written about this Clippers team because there has been chaos all over the place between Ty Lu, obviously with the family members, with guys like Marcus Morris and Nico Batum and Robert Covington, and then Russell Westbrook's edition. And of course, you've got PG and Kawhi and whatever's going on with them um, and them missing games. So there, there's certainly a lot to be written about with this Clippers team. Of course, Terrence Mann. So we'll see. But there, we got to look forward now. And go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, I think, you know, I, you mentioned that they underachieved. I think this year from, from the get-go was a little tough because – um, two games in, Kawhi had to miss a month yeah. due, due to his, uh, you know, I, I guess some some knee some knee issues that he had a minor setback that he had to deal with. So, um, you know, off the bat, three games in, they were without Kawhi for about I want to say close to four weeks, if I'm not mistaken. And um, you know, then Paul George goes down because he had to kind of uh, carry a bit more of the load. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's really to blame, but you know, from the start, it kind of just seemed like it was. Uh, they were behind the eight ball from the start. It felt like um, to me. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, I mean, you just look at Kawhi. It, just, it never stopped snowballing, unfortunately. Yeah, you look at Kawhi in the first game. He was coming off the bench in the second quarter. I mean, like, I mean, what the hell was that? You know, like it, you never see that with anybody. LeBron James came off the bench this weekend, and he actually he entered in the first quarter. Like LeBron, Kawhi came out in the second quarter. It was just odd from the start. It's been a very weird season. But I do want to talk about what the Clippers could be gaining. And that is a guy in Norman Powell. And you and I spent the first 20 plus minutes of this podcast talking about Batum and Robert Covington and their role. And let's not forget that Norman Powell certainly played a very large role on this team before he got hurt. And you wonder where he fits now with this team, because you got to remember the Clippers brought in, of course, Eric Gordon, 
They brought in Bones Highland. They brought in Plumley. All three of those guys have seen their share of minutes recently. Then, of course, you've got Kawhi, you've got Batum, you've got Plumley. I mean, pardon me, you got Zoo and you've got Westbrook. There are only so many guys that Ty Lue's going to play. Norm Powell is going to obviously be a part of this nine-man rotation. You just wonder what that means for the rest of the guys. And, um, I mean, certainly the Clippers will welcome Norman Powell because he's a guy that has been needed at numerous different times in the last couple of weeks because they needed a guy who can score, who can help spread the floor, and attack the hoop. And Norman Powell does get to the free throw line. And he, he and Eric Gordon certainly play similar roles um, in their ability to shoot. And Norman Powell can score. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on where he fits because I think you see Eric Gordon come off the bench. Um, I saw some people talk today about possibly Bones Highland staying in the rotation. I just don't see that. I mean, with Terrence Mann and with um, Robert Covington possibly now being in the rotation or Marcus Morris, then you got Norman Powell, you got Plumley. I don't think we're going to see Bones Highland. That means they're going to go 10 deep most likely. Maybe occasionally you'll see it if you need some energy, but I think right. this probably means Bones Highland to the bench. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that when, when you look at uh, Ty said that he wants to keep a nine-man rotation going, and that means, uh, for well, for one, I think Eric Gordon is staying in the starting lineup. Uh, I don't think that was ever in question. I think Eric is always going to be a starter um, once PG went down because uh, it's just it's just a, a fit that Ty really likes. Um, so I, I, I would guess that Eric stays in the starting lineup. Uh, so that leaves you with what? Um, Terrence, Bones, Norm, Rocco, Rocco slash Marcus, Plumley. and Mason. Yeah. Um, if I had to guess, and, and I, he said he likes going nine deep. He's not going to go ten deep, most likely. Uh, it'll probably be Terrence and Norm running running the two-man unit, mm-hmm. uh, two-guard two, two uh, unit off the bench. Uh, and you throw in probably... Um, Rocco in there, Mason. Um, I would imagine, and, and and one of the starters probably he likes to stagger Russell and Kawhi as one of the stars. So, I would imagine you kind of go with that three guard lineup of Terrence, Russ, Norm, uh, and then you go with Rocco and uh, Mason or any any kind of combination like that. But if if he's insistent on going nine deep, which is what he says he plans to do, then that's what we're probably looking at. Uh, I would imagine. I mean, it's kind of kind of hard to justify taking Bones out of the lineup given how good he's been the last three games. I think since he played mm-hmm. um, the second OKC game, the Pelicans game, despite the loss, he, he played really well, <clears throat> and um, the other night against the Chicago Bulls. So that's just what I think. If he wants to go ten deep, then Bones Bones's role is clearly there. Um, I just don't I, know. I, knowing Ty, he wants to stagger a star, which is Russell Kawhi. And you want to play Norm, which he said is going to be a big part of the roster. So to me, uh, that just leaves Bones out, out of the rotation. And it, fe- it feels like the Clippers just will be too small with Bones and with Norm and with Man on the floor. It feels like those three guys, and then you have a guy like Batum or a Covington. I mean, even a Kawhi, if Kawhi would be the four. I just don't know if a Bones lineup with Man and with Powell – and even Zoo and Kawhi. I don't know if that would work. And here's the thing. The one thing that people tend to do is they get really caught up on just a couple of games. And we can't forget that Bones Highland did have a couple of really poor games also. Um, initially, when he was on the Clippers, he had a couple of good games where he showed some spark. And then he also was very out of control. And he was taking poor shots. And he was out of control at the rim. 
If he gets hot from three and he's able to attack the rim well, then he certainly is something the Clippers want. I mean, the one thing this Clippers well, team is, is this team is very old and they don't have energy. And Bones Highland provides that energy. Right. But the question is, is it maybe at times too much when you have Westbrook and you have Bones and you have Terrence Mann? I mean, it's a lot of guys that are obviously going to provide energy, which you want. But at the same time, you need some stability come playoff time. And I, I don't know if they can take those highs and lows from Bones Highland in that bench unit with those other guys. But I think A is too small and B, I just think there may just be too much craziness. Uh, if that makes, if that even makes sense. During the playoffs, I, I think you'll probably see that cut down to maybe like an eight man rotation. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, like uh, yesterday, for example, um, the second quarter started the first five minutes had a, the lineup was Russ, Bones, Terrence, Rocco, and Mason. So that's a three-guard lineup right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Ty likes to refer to Terrence as a three-guard, as a three. Um, but, you know, that, it's still relatively three guards out there. Um, you know, then Terrence was replaced by Eric Gordon, and they played for another minute with with Russ, Bones, and Eric. Um, in the fourth quarter yesterday, in the third and fourth quarter, we had Bones, Terrence, Kawhi, Russ, Bones, Eric again. So, uh, and those lineups were a positive. So... Marginal positive, I think maybe like a plus seven or eight, something like that. But but my point is, um, I think in the regular season you can't play them. You can't. It was also uh, against it, the it, Bulls. It might be matchup dependent, right? It might be pretty matchup dependent. Um, you know, we didn't see Alex Caruso the other night. He was a great defender. Um, so it depends on that. But I think there are some situations where you could see that against a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, for example, who like to run. You can't afford to play super. You know, some of the older guys. I don't think. They're just going to get right out of the building, as we saw mm-hmm. against the Pelicans. So um, you do need to play play younger at times, and um, the pace that Bones brings might just be what they need in some of those games. Uh, and, and I imagine Norm will be limited off the bat, so it's not like he's going to come in and play 25 minutes off the bat. Uh, he'll probably be limited to about uh, you know 18 to 20 in his first couple games, and then uh, you know ramp it up to whatever time the medical staff believe he should play by the end of it. But um, I think. It, There'll be a role for Bones. It's just going to be very, very different on a tonight basis. Matchup, uh, very matchup based. I want to say. Yeah, and with Stephen Adams out, um, the team doesn't really have a true center. I mean, they've been rolling out Xavier Tillman. There's no Brandon Clark. Obviously, he's hurt too. So it's Tillman and Jaron Jackson, and Jackson gets in foul trouble a bunch. And so this is certainly a chance when you play against Memphis, where maybe Plumley is the guy that's the odd man out, and you run a smaller lineup with Batum and Rocco. Um, as your fives like that's certainly possible as well if the Clippers want to run and that's when you maybe see a guy like Bones Highland enter the lineup when you see it that's at the expense of Plumlee as opposed to another guard so there's a lot of different things that Ty Lue can do and I don't think there's going to be a consistent eight or nine that we're going to see come playoff time Um, I think it will depend on the matchups and we've seen that play out but I think we need to take it with a grain of salt that sure Bones has had a couple of good games but we got to realize who some of the opponents were. We got to realize some of the uh, teams he was playing against, some of the players he was playing against, who was in, who was out, and kind of evaluate it from there. But it's a small sample size. I know everyone likes to get excited. I mean, I, I was, I'm old enough to remember when people thought that Amir Coffey should be playing over Terrence Mann. Like that happened last year. It really doesn't seem like it, but it happened last year. Um, and people need to not overreact. I mean, I, I'm still waiting for people to come and keep talking about Musa Diabate and how he should be the guy that's starting at the five. Like that was a thing earlier this year. The season's so long that people thought Musa Diabate was the answer at the five. Like 
everyone needs to chill. And that re- was that was that was just um, people reacting. I think in a very yeah. That was just reacting no center, but that was that was that was comical. No one ever actually believed that. I don't think anyone with. Oh, I had people uh, in my mentions that thought that he was better than Zoo. Like that that was a real thing. Who? Better than Zoo. There are people that think that Tomer. That fan, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fans are crazy. All right. Fans are crazy. Um, last thing that I want to hit with you, and it's Paul George and his timetable to return. The one thing that we know about this Clippers team is they are not going to reveal actual information when it comes to injuries to their players. And we saw it with Kawhi, where he was basically series to series in 2021. And now we're seeing it with PG, where there is optimism that it's not something very serious, like a torn ACL with Kawhi Leonard that was never revealed to us until the end of the season. But with PG... The reevaluation is two to three weeks. And as I tweeted, and as I've said with people who are big time fantasy guys that are trying to wonder when their guy's coming back, reevaluation does not mean when they're coming back. It means when they're getting reevaluated. And I don't expect to see PG back for the first round. It seemed like Shams confirmed that report today. Um, I don't even know if we see him for the second round. He's going to want to come back. But the fact that he says he doesn't know he's gonna, when he's going to come back, and if PG's saying that, then it, it may not be as soon as we want it to be. Um, how far do you think this team can go without Paul George? And when would you th- expect to see him on the floor? I would say if this if this team were to get to a game seven in the first round, you 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 might be able to see him um, based on how the first rounds are usually spaced out, mm-hmm. um, and and you know trying to get all those, all those games on TV at the same time, or you know spaced out between. Uh, yeah, it's every other, other day. Yeah. There's a chance you might be able to see that. A chance. Um, now, now this is the Jim Carrey chance here, uh, that epic video. So, I mean, look, I think if, if, if you, if you have to take an injury, uh, to your star with as nasty as it looked, I think, you know, by all accounts, it, it was the best case scenario. Um, uh, there wasn't any significant damage to any of the major ligaments is what I was told. So, um, it, in terms of, you know, being serious to serious like Kawhi, Kawhi was doing that in a torn ACL. Uh, for whatever reason, they didn't disclose it till the end. Uh, but it sounds like PG avoided the worst, and they're just um, being super cautious with him. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of rest and rehab over the next couple of weeks, and it'll it'll be a you know it, it basically will come down to his mobility after that between that two to three week period. It won't be anything like a pain tolerance thing. Not something you can play on pain wise. It strictly will be mobility wise. If he's if he's able to make the movements and the cuts and all the things that he needs to do as a primary ball handler, as a star he is, uh, then he'll be able to come back. And if not, then he won't. I think um, it's pretty much it's pretty simple when it when it comes to his return to play. It will just be dependent on his mobility and how he's moving and all that. Uh, so, I think you know, second round is is optimistic. End of the first round, if it goes seven, might be possible. Uh, but again, there's a good chance. Historically, PG is a bit of a slow healer, um, so. And the Clippers medical staff, we know, likes to be uber cautious with their guys. So there's a good chance we, you know, unless the Clippers make it to a mid-second round, we're, we're not going to see him until then. So um, I wouldn't expect to see him in the first round, but I think there's an outside chance. I just don't think anyone really knows until we see how he's progressing in another week and a half, two weeks, whatever it is, uh, because you just don't know. It's going to be all mobility-based. You just don't know. So – Based on the timeline that you're saying, um, and based on doing some quick math with 
April 9th being the end of the regular season, and you would assume that the postseason for the Clippers would start either the 15th or the 16th. You go every other day, that kind of puts the return at about the 26th or 27th of April for Game 7. Um, and then you would see the next round start about April 29th, which is a Saturday. So that would be more than a month from now. So obviously the two to three weeks was in a reevaluation period. And now maybe another two to three weeks after that is when we might see him return. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens. Um, I'm not sure how far this team can go without Paul George. That being said, if Kawhi Leonard continues to play the way he has played of late and you get the contributions from Norm Powell and Terrence Mann and Nico Batum and Zoo and Russell Westbrook continues to do his thing and play within what he should be doing. And I mean, obviously the other guys I didn't name as well, this team has a chance to make a little bit of noise in the postseason, especially I think if they get that sixth seed, I think it'll be interesting to see if they face Sacramento um, I don't think you want to play either the one or the two. I, I just don't think you want to play Denver. I don't think you want to play Phoenix if you're the five. Um, so we'll see in terms of what the Clippers end up as. But I, I'm not sure that they can go as far as they want without Paul George. But at the same time, Kawhi Leonard carried a Toronto Raptors team that didn't have the huge punch of those guys, by the way, that they have now. I mean, you look at who he had around him, and those guys are really good players. Um, but I, right. he just had a solid, a really solid group of guys. Exactly. You know, exactly. Um, as you can kind of hold down their own. And I think, yeah. I think the Clippers have that. I just think they need to kind of discover, rediscover their, their roles. I exactly. Think once everyone finds it like in the 21, 2021 playoffs, uh, once Nico was started, it was clear what, what, what the play style was going to be, how they were going to play night to night yeah. and what everyone's roles were. Um, even Pat and zoo coming off the bench, maybe not even playing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was understood at a certain point. So, I mean, look, I think part of it is the Clippers have, have to pray that um, PG has Giannis's knee from 2021. Yeah. And that uh, that knee recovers as quickly as Giannis's did. Um, very similar looking injury. So. Yeah, except that Giannis was back within uh, a week, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, again, PG's historically a bit of a slow healer. And I know that, you know, yeah. when Giannis first suffered the injury, he felt like he may have tore something, um, one of the major ligaments. PG said he felt the same way. So, um again we'll see when it happens but this team has the has the guys to kind of get through a first round matchup against sacramento uh, i hope it's sacramento personally i want to experience uh, uh almost got a sleep trainer right now. yeah uh, golden one center um and see see how that arena is but they have they have the ability to get through that they just there's no easy matchup out west no uh, i mean everyone is going to be a grind exactly so it's not like you can say oh i prefer this guy over this guy it's all going to be tough. Yeah, no Phoenix, Phoenix will be tough. Memphis will be tough. Denver will be tough. Sacramento just will be tough just because the guys they have in Sabonis and Fox. <laughs> Wait till you give up a 10-0 run in Sacramento. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the one thing that you mentioned with Paul George is you, you said he's a slow healer. But the counterpoint to that is that when he does come back, he shows no signs of rust. Like that's one thing credit to Paul George is that when he that comes when he that comes back he looks really good upon arrival. So we'll see right. if we even get a chance to see Paul George on the floor together. Uh, I mean, on the, I'm try this one more time. See if we can see Paul George on the floor this season again, and if we get a chance to actually see if that continues to be the case. But it'll be interesting. I mean, you look right now and the Clippers are currently the five seed, and they are a game up on Golden State, who is the seven seed. 
and I believe a one and a half up on New Orleans, who is the eight seed. So a couple of big games coming up against Memphis. I don't expect them to win either game at Memphis, honestly. Um, I think Memphis just has been a team that's had their number, but uh, we'll see. I think John Morant sat out today in anticipation that he'll play tomorrow. So I expect to see Morant in that game. But I don't expect the Clippers to win either game against Memphis. And then they got a tough one on Saturday against New Orleans. That game will be even more important than those two <laughs> Memphis games. So it's, it's not easy. There's a very good chance they go 0-3 in this, <clears throat> in this road trip. A very yeah. good chance. Yeah, certainly. Uh, they've lost 8 of 9. They've lost 8 of 9 uh, against the uh, Pelicans, including the play-in game. And when you look at the Grizzlies, uh, the Grizzlies have won four in a row before the Clippers' last win. Um, so, you know, they, they've, they've dominated them historically. I think winning by an average margin of looks like 15 points or so. So, like, um, these games are going to be big. These games are going to be really big. I, if they can squeeze one win out of this three-game trip, I think that's a win. I agree. I really do. I agree. I, I think that if they, you can win one of these next three games and then you go ahead and you play the Lakers, who won't be easy, obviously. Um, you play Portland, who will be easy. And then you play Phoenix, who may have nothing to play for in that final day then all of a sudden you could have three wins to end the season. So if you win one of these next three and you add three wins at the end of the season, I think you'll be okay. I think that you'll be okay to avoid the play-in tournament. Um, So I think you and I are on the same page that one of three in these next three games is certainly is something you'll take for the Clippers. But obviously you'd like more, but I think one of three is what you need. Well, if you're not going to get one of three, um, the Suns and the Lakers games are must wins just because of the division record yeah. for now. And the Warriors, uh, Warriors have as many, I think they have one more game remaining. I think the most, most wins they can get is seven in their division. And the Clippers are currently at seven. So if they get one more, uh, either against the Suns or the Lakers, they won the division tied record between them. So they will be able to get a higher seed if they, if they end up tied. Uh, they don't have a conference tiebreaker against a lot of the teams. Uh, conference record tiebreakers. A lot of teams, they lost all the tiebreakers for the most part. So uh, they really need to win the Suns game, and they, they should be okay. Yeah, and, and Golden State's been terrible on the road, and they've got to go to Denver on Saturday, and then the following Friday play Ooh. at play at Sacramento. So two, oh wow, yes, That's a tough schedule to close out. Yeah, so they they their final four games are at Denver versus OKC, at Sacramento, at Portland. So two of their final three or two two of their final four are difficult and. Tonight's a massive game. I mean, as we're recording this right now, um, the Pelicans are beating the Warriors in Golden State 50-39. to So if that game goes the Pelicans' way, then that certainly will help the Clippers as well because um, you'd like to see get a little bit of distance um, between the play-in tournament, obviously. And I mean, we say that, but the Pelicans, if they win, are, are basically yeah. a game back of the Clippers. That's and true. they have the tiebreaker against them too, I believe so. Um, like at this point, I would I would almost Golden State. I would almost rather Golden State win, so they can stay closer to the Clippers. As long as the Clippers win one more game in their division, they have the division tiebreaker. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, you again, still you got a conference record. You lose the conference record against all those other teams. Yeah, but at the same time, if you're the Clippers, you can control your destiny against the Pelicans in that game on Saturday. So if you win that game, that'll certainly help you a lot. But- <laughs> the team that's beaten them eight of the last night. Yeah, though. exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And by the way, the Pelicans after this Golden State game, the Thursday they're at Denver, and then Saturday they're at home to the Clippers, and they're at home to Sacramento. They're at home to Memphis, and then at home to the Knicks. So not an easy schedule for uh, the Pelicans either. So we'll see. It'll it'll certainly be 
a wild, wild west finish. No doubt about that. I think we'll be seeing teams that will be alternating positions for the final several games. Um, but you do notice that the Pelicans have a lot more games left than the Clippers, so that helps them as well because wins will give them a half a game every single time they win. So we'll see. Tomer, um, again, man, congratulations. Uh, um, I'm super pumped for what you've done so far at Clutch Points and being able to write that in-depth story on Marcus and Rocco and then all of a sudden to have the news break and you break it, that platoon will be starting. Um, super pumped for you. And for everyone that's listening, Clutch Points, the Clutch Points app. You can see Tomer Azarli on Twitter, at Tomer Azarli. Does tremendous work. So, uh, again, Tomer, thanks for joining, man, and congratulations. Oh, yeah, I appreciate all the kind words and all the, uh, all the you know, just it really is appreciated. So, um, and thank you for having me. Always always uh, sharing my stuff and sharing my stories and allowing me to, you know, have a voice out there for some Clipper fans. So I do appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you very much. Of course. You're always welcome on the podcast. And if you want to rate and review the podcast, go ahead. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review as well. Drop one there on iTunes. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. It's the at Ethos Clippers handle on Twitter. Uh, a big thank you again to Tomer. Until next time, I'm Brandon, and go Clips.